Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, you know that I'm truly happy to be here, given the opportunity to talk to you about the kinds of things that are meaningful to our world today and in the future. And there's so many things that we need to discuss. I first and foremost want to just talk to you a little bit about something that I believe makes just common sense. And uh, I don't want to talk about it long because there was a a specific um, item that I wanted to discuss today, and this is just popped in my head, and I'd like to talk to it about, to Reverend Smith and Kathy about, since you two were the only ones on the line right now. You know, it is just crazy to me that we have a president that's so focused on building a wall and Reverend Smith, I have to be honest with you, I just don't see there's so many things that we need to build or have and that we could afford when you're talking about spending five or six or maybe ten billion dollars on a wall. We have been living in America without a wall uh forever. <laughs> you know, and so it just doesn't make much sense to me that we would invest billions and billions of dollars in a wall 
that will that won't stop anybody because you and I both know that a man will find a way to get over a wall. And so uh, when I asked you, we talked for a little while about what would be the purpose of putting billions of dollars out in the sand when there are a lot of human beings that could benefit from that kind of money. Uh, We got people who need uh, insurance. We have people who need housing. We have people who need education. And we're going to put a billion dollars out on the the on the on the uh, excuse me the southern border, and I just don't see it. So help me to understand why in the world would any man under any circumstances put a fortune out in the desert or out in the boonies and say to you that that is for protection and uh, that it, it could benefit us. What well, what are your thoughts on? spending that kind of money for senselessness. Are you there, Reverend Smith? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm sorry. I still have, I keep forgetting I have my phone on mute sometimes. Uh, but anyway, like I said, good evening to everyone on the line this afternoon. Um this is a misnomer um, that we are possibly discussing here. Trump has could care less about a wall, really. He he's not he's thinking about his base, his base of white, non-educated individuals who swear that they're doing this, doing that, and doing the other bringing across so many drugs and all of this kind of stuff. But one thing I never hear anybody make any comments about is how much how much drugs are being brought into South Florida by the Cubans and others in that area. That's where all of the drugs basically are coming into. And they're coming right there on the docks and everywhere else. Wet foot, dry foot, and all that. How in the world do you think all of those places down there got built? That Miami right now is forging a $350 billion economy from drug funds. And all of those buildings were built by drug funds. But we're so busy worrying about these people over here on the wall. Okay, Trump could care less about that wall. He's only trying to play to his base because that's what these people want. That's what they don't like. He, he, the Mexican or the Latinos thinking that the only people he dislikes are the Mexicans. Once he gets through with the Mexicans, he's going to go after also the Latinos other, from other countries. He's afraid to go toward the Cubans because the Cubans have such a, a voting block in reference to his buddy, Scott, who is our governor here in Florida today. So it, there's, there's, there's all kind of foolishness being played out. And I'm sitting here now listening at the government about to be shut down because of this wall. They, they, they're trying 29 hours, 48 minutes and 20 seconds away from shutting down our government over this wall. 
and there's 800 miles of wall. And he's talking about, well, we only want uh, maybe a, a, a hundred or so miles right now. And we, but he's playing games with children's lives. He's playing games with family lives. And he could care less about any of the Trump don't care anything about anybody but himself. And hopefully he's trying to steal. Uh, uh, he's hopeful, hopeful that he can get another four years after these four years. I just don't think he's going to make these four years myself. I really don't. I don't care what his doctor said. I don't believe his doctor. Anyway, but there's no way but, a man what, 71 my, years old. It is just mind I'm just talking about common sense. And I know for myself, I believe it's a waste of time. It's a waste of conversation. But the reality it of it is this. Why put billions of dollars in the dirt when you got people who need that money for all kinds of services and you will do it to block people that you don't even know are coming. And so here you are, you're going to, your, your Northern border doesn't have any walls. What are you going to try to do? Board board up the whole place. So to me, it just makes little or no sense, uh, Kathy, to, have all the needs that we have here, all the people that need, again, uh, medicine, they need insurance, they need uh, housing, they need education, and you're going to spend billions of dollars on a wall where it sits out there to protect you against people you don't even know are coming. How can that make good sense? I just don't hear the argument against this wall that I need I, that I believe need to be made. Good afternoon. And the reality Jim. of, go ahead. Are you there, Kathy? Yes, I said good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I don't really know uh, that much uh, about it, James. Um, so, I mean, I know that they're, they're trying to build a wall, but I don't know, you know, the good, Part and the bad part about it. So I really can't. Um, but make let me just, comment. Let me just, just. Let me just. Yes, I want you to chime in for this reason, Kat. I want you to ask yeah. yourself. I, I just want to let's put it down to the basics. I want to ask yourself if you had a million dollar home that you were trying to protect, okay, would you build a five million dollar wall? to protect the $5 million house when there's stuff in the house that you need? Why would you put it in the wall when there's things in the house you need? And that's what I feel about this. There are too many needs by the people in America that they need money for, that they say we don't have the money for, but yet you can go put 5 to $10 million, a billion dollars out in the desert, out in the, in the where nobody lives. How does that make sense? Well, it's like um, um, somebody, I heard somebody uh, say before that they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Maybe they see a vision that we don't see concerning the wall. I'm not sure, James. There are a lot of other things that you're right that we could be focusing on. Like you said, education, uh, 
right now they are they are solely um uh, focused on this wall and uh i don't know i, I again i can't say yay or nay because i don't I, I really don't know but i really don't know so i can't even say james <laughs> okay uh, Cheryl, uh I can. one of the I things can. that that i think of is the fact that when when they try to when he tried to to play to his base you know just like um, Reverend Smith talked about, they must really just don't understand the economics of what's going down here in, uh, in the South because we need those immigrants to come in here to pick this fruit and to pick these vegetables and do the kind of work that Americans no longer want to do. And a lot of those immigrants that are coming in here, he's talking about a lot of them are are selling drugs, the majority of them getting the menial jobs that we don't want and we're not looking to have. And I don't know why he doesn't want to block those, uh, block those people from getting here because the farmers down here tell you the only way our fruit is getting picked is because of those immigrants. Good evening, and how is everyone doing this evening? Good evening, um, sure. I, I'm a little bit like Miss Kathy, I'm not sure um, exactly, you know, what the um, politics part is, but the um, the scenario that you presented to her, when you said, you know, would I make a $5 million wall to protect a million-dollar house, I mean, to me, that would be crazy. Um, you know, I could not understand when they first talked about the wall because of the amount of money that the economy could not really afford it for the first thing. And second thing is, you know, why are we trying to build a wall to keep certain people out? To me, that I really didn't understand at all. You know, um, and why are we picking and choosing who can come here when this is supposed to be the land of the free. And, I mean, evidently it really isn't. And, you know, for the amount of money that, you know, just like Kathy just finished saying, the amount of money that is going to be spent on this wall, there's so many other programs that's being cut today. And, I mean, you know, and I've heard a little bit um, when I first got on, you know, when you were saying, about people needing insurance and people needing other things based upon building this wall. So now from right. my standpoint is that why would we spend this amount of money on a wall when there are so many other things that we need, you know, and we are cutting out programs, we're cutting out, you know, helping um, right here. So in that sense, to me, it really doesn't make any sense. Now, I don't know what they believe the benefits are because I haven't um, really investigated as far as any benefits. But from what I can tell and what have I heard, you know, um, when they talked about the wall first, um, I couldn't see any benefits. And right now, if I don't see otherwise, in black and white also in action, then I don't see benefits of building this wall at all, keeping people out or economically. 
And um, Reverend Smith, you know, I, I know the ladies talk about the fact that they haven't uh, spent much time, uh, you know, understanding the politics of the wall, but you've been in the service. And, um, you know, I have not seen anywhere in the world where a wall has benefited anybody and then wasn't eventually tore down. The wall of China is there now, and it serves no purpose, okay? The wall that separated right. Germany got torn down. So tell right. me where else that you – I don't know any other place where anybody has spent a lot of money on a wall, and it has served a purpose that protected the people on the other on, – on the on the side that uh, built the wall. I just don't understand it. I mean, show me anywhere – I you know I I seem like I'm a pretty wise person. I I try to pay attention and I try to listen to all kinds of things, but I have never right. heard of any wall anywhere that anybody made a big fuss about that served a major purpose to do what he's trying to do. There there is no uh, good evening to uh, Cheryl. There there are no um, um, benefits to this wall, James. Truthfully, I listen to MSNBC and CNN all day just about most of the time because I'm very interested in politics anyway. But there are no – like I said before, the only thing, the only reason that this man is hampering about this wall is because because he made that pledge in his – that was one of his greatest pledges when he was out there campaigning. And but he lied. And he he don't talk about that and we don't talk about that enough on television. The commentators don't talk about it. he lied and said Mexico was gonna pay for the wall. And Mexico said we're not paying for nothing. And they still hold to that. They're talking now about upping the cost of visas for Mexican people to come here, which would eventually pay for the wall. And that's a lie. Nobody, they want to make that wall as long as they want it to be made. They need $18 billion. And you were right. They're going to be fooling with our Social Security. Probably not mine, because God knows. I, I, well, I'll probably be here too, but they're, they're, they're going to be fooling. They are fooling with the, the schools, the children, the health care. They're fooling with everything for this stupid wall. And you're right. There are no righteous reasons for this wall. This is not has nothing to do with drugs at all. It has nothing to do with gangsters. Gangsters are right here in the United States in the form of the people that were born and brought here from other countries who are just as worse gangsters as the Mexicans are. And that's the Latino Cubans, that's the Italians, that's the whites, that's the blacks, all of us. We got a bunch of gangsters in every race. And this man is picking out this one form of people because somebody somewhere told him, and probably because uh, Bush is married to one of them, that's probably why he's so hell-bent on doing this. But there's no reason for a wall. Oh, look at the veterans. Look at the veterans. Look at all of us. Look at all of us. I've been blessed. 
because I'm 100% disabled and I get funds for it every month. But look at all of those that are sleeping under the bridges and all of that. They fought for for the freedom of the of the American people. They are not getting anything. Why don't you take some of that money that you're taking and rehab some of these large uh, uh, factories that's been evacuated and make apartments and rooms for the veterans or homes for the veterans inside of these buildings that you are tearing down. There's so many things you could do. Chip, make sure that those children uh, got help uh, uh, funding. Make sure that. $18 billion could go a mighty long ways, a mighty long ways. DACA students, they shouldn't even have to really be worried. They shouldn't have to be worried at all about whether they're going to stay or go. All of this is so and that I'm not really. I don't have any objection. I don't any, have any objection to increasing the spending uh, for Border Patrol. Uh, if you want to put up some fences, but let me just say this to you. I'm always, like, again, I'm telling you, I'm always paying attention. If those people can dig a tunnel from Thank miles you. away and put it Thank right you. underneath a certain person's jail cell, and that person <laughs> walk out of there like he was using the restroom and had that little bit of privacy, and he'd go down Thank in there you. and nobody, how can a wall, I don't care, five feet wide, and 40 feet high, or whatever you do with it, it's going to stop them if that's the kind of tunnel makers they are. So it doesn't make any sense because a wall in and of itself can be taken advantage of by another human being. So that wall in and of itself is not going to protect you. But what you could do with that money, how could it benefit society as a whole? How could it benefit those programs that have proven themselves that you say you don't have no more money to give to them. And that's why I'm saying to you, a smart man doesn't put billions of dollars out in no dirt for a wall that nobody's going to pay no attention to, and the drug trade is going to be just as strong. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to any of us, really, James. I know it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, and you look at the teachers' salaries today. Look at the teachers' salaries. They very, it's sad what we pay our professors. Professors don't really make a lot of money. Tenured professors make a little bit of money, but not as much as they ought to. You know, there's so many different things that we could actually really be spending that money on. And I'm serious. The homeless, homeless children, all kinds of things. That we got out there And as soon as they get to the point You know where a lot of this money is going to come from They're going to take Just like they've been doing all for the last 25 or 30 years Taking a lot of money out of Social Security Then they're going to holler It's almost gone Because we got paying too many people They're not paying too many people They're taking money out of there And using it for other things Look at the bridges that are collapsing Here we can we could do look what in the world could we do with eighteen billion dollars worth of infrastructure throughout this United States? They're constantly telling us about these things are falling down and the bridges are falling all the time. But 
nobody's nobody's talking. We're talking about a wall, like you said, that we don't really need. There's so much drugs already in this country, already, right now, that warehouses are loaded with these drugs. I've worked on the cover all those years. I could probably take you right now to a warehouse full of drugs. Care. Because most of them are getting money from these things. And so it doesn't matter. If how in the world can a rich man know what a poor man feels? That's the whole concept right there. And his white friends that he's trying to please his white friends that he's trying to please, I guarantee you, they're the ones that's gonna be committing suicide and everything because all of this junk that he's doing is going to hit them harder than anybody else. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk about the the real thing I wanted to discuss. I saw a story today where an Alabama freshman uh, made a couple of videos uh, using the N-word, and they expelled her from school, and she went back to New Jersey. And I just wanted to talk about can we mandate uh, mandate humanity in in the world? Can we dictate or make people not be racist? Or should people be willing or able to lose their job just because they're racist? And, you know, racism has a lot of different components. But one is, is that if you're willing to, you can truly hide what your feelings are despite working right next to somebody. Uh, so we need to just talk about how we want to deal with uh, racism in the long run and if we should expel people who display racism in our schools or fire people who uh, just don't want to be friendly. We'll be right back in time our conversation. Jesus, oh Jesus. 
this song means a lot to me because there was a time in my life when I couldn't love myself enough to love anyone else. But now I'm in love. And for Mary J. Blige, that's rare. Relationships are really, really hard to keep together. But let me explain to y'all what happened to me. Chemistry was crazy from the get-go. T.D. Shea, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. I wanted to, after I saw this story about this uh, young Alabama freshman, who had posted three, uh, two or three videos of her racist rant. I wanted to ask if we'll ever get beyond racism. Uh, you know, I remember, I think it was Joyce, and we talked about, sometimes Joyce would talk about uh, how she believed or wanted to believe uh, that we might get beyond racism with young people. But if young people are still portray, uh, showing behaviors of racism, both in high schools and in colleges, how can we possibly get beyond it? And if we're not going to get beyond it, how are we going to deal long-term with the possibility of trying to mandate people feel a certain way about each other? Or can it ever be possibly mandated? There are just some people who are going to always be so despicable that 
they'll be willing to hold a person's color against them. And I have to be honest with you, uh, as a child, I grew up uh, spending maybe the first four years of my elementary school years at a predominantly black school. And then when I got to third or fourth grade, I got transferred to a school where I was the only black. So my experience allowed me to get along with these people, even though they had some racist behaviors and would make certain racist um, statements that you knew they were bringing from home. But over the years, uh, right after I got out of college, I moved in with a white guy uh, who he and his wife were on the verge of getting divorced. And so uh, he wanted me to help him financially when I moved to teach in Virginia. And it didn't last long because he was trying to get back with his wife, but not because we were unable uh, to to live together. And But I just recognize as a person who has never had really real major problems getting along with people. I know how to get along with people. And so what I recognize there are some people who will never like me no matter what. So what are we as a society supposed to deal do to deal with people who are unable uh, to transform their behavior? If a person is able to do a job effectively, should we require them to be decent individuals? Should we require them not to be racist when they have the ability to do a job? Or can we should we deny a person their education uh, because they are not able to to appreciate getting along with others. Cheryl, uh, what what are your thoughts about how do we deal with race uh, racism long term when it seems that it seems like it continues to raise its head amongst young people who we thought we'd get away from that as we started to intermingle with one another. Well, I don't think um, fully that we're going to ever get away from racism. Um, I would have liked to have thought that it was left in younger, um, in the younger generation, but we got to remember who they're being raised by. Now, I I believe that. You can be racist and work in a place and go to school, but if this is not, as long as you don't display it, as long as, because you can't control what's in the heart of any individual. And if you took that same college and did a poll, a secret poll, to find out how many people do not like another race, it would be kind of shocking. But as long as you stay within the policies of the, um, of the job, of the school, um, then I still believe that you can work at a place. Because once you start displaying racism, you start to get into a little danger zone. Um, whereas, you know, you like me, 
I grew up and um, I went to the school where Ruby Bridges um, was the first black young um, person, and that's what the book says, but she actually was not the very first person to be integrated into an all-white school. I went to that school, and she was only um, some years behind me. So I went to school with white people, and I thought that my best friend was white. And somebody had to tell me, an adult, that I could not have her as a best friend. So, but my children were never raised that way because somebody had to tell my daughter what color she was because when she, somebody told her she was black, she come inside crying, talking about, but I'm peach. So that's when I had to explain to her what black this little girl was actually talking about. So, and it has never been difficult for me to get along with any race of people because it's not the the color of the person, it's who the person actually is. And I'm going to be in the presence of people who are, are loving, who are not... Um, that I would believe is racism, racist, um, that show me respect. And I think when you're in a workplace, you know, whatever is in the handbook, whatever is in the policies of wherever you are is something that you have to conduct. So because this was not their policy at the university, then that's the reason why. It wasn't because she was racism, because she went be, she went outside of their policies, and now she began to display. And when you start to do that, I still believe that there's a danger in it because now you're bold. You feel like you got control. You feel like you got some seniority. You, you know, you start to feel all of these things because now you're putting another race down. So I don't believe that, you know, a person can't, two people can't work on a job and somebody's racism, as long as it it does not come up, you know, in the workplace, as long as it's not displayed in the same thing, whatever the policies is, then shows, you know, actions can be taken. Because in order to go to the college, you have to have read the policies. In order, in the workplace, you have to sign and agree to the handbook. So when you go against their policies, there are consequences. Well, you know, it's it's funny when you when we talk about this and recognize that this is something that we have been dealing with a long time. When I went to South Carolina State, I remember having a conversation with a uh, African American person, and he said to me, "I came to college so that I don't have to deal with the white man." And I said to him, "You said I said." I came to college so I could better deal with the white man because I recognize that no matter how educated you get, no matter what it is you try to accomplish, you're going to have to establish on some level some kind of relationship with a white organization in order to get 
the assistance you need to get where you're going. Uh, that might be a loan. Uh, that might be for business. But to get to what the highest level possible, there are going to be times when you have to deal with white organizations and you got to know what their playbook is. But overall, I just want to recognize that I don't have if a biker's bar, I know when I go up to, I see a bunch of bikes at a bar, I kind of get the tuition that that bar is not for me. And it doesn't matter to me if they cater to me or not, or I don't want to have to make them cater to me. I would rather move on and go to another place. And the reason why we have problems with places like Denny's is because Denny's is a restaurant that all of us should have be treated properly uh, because that's what the company says. Now, if the company wants to state that it is for a different kind of people other than the general public, then they need to make that known and see how they can continue to do business. But I don't know if we are in a position to mandate that racism not exist. Uh, Cassie, uh, what what are your thoughts about that? I'm saying I don't want to go anywhere nobody wants me, but if you don't want me, you need to put out there, I don't want black, so that all the world can see who you are and see if you can continue doing business in that type, kind of fashion. And like um, Cheryl said, you know, there are going to be people who are going to just stay quiet in order to keep their jobs or to stay in school. That's not going to change whether they're racist or not. They just don't want to leave, live to lose their privilege at that school or to lose their job. Right. Um, what happened with Denny's? I was just in Denny's today. You guys didn't tell me. I wasn't supposed to go in Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if you if they do it over there, but a lot of people have had a lot of problems or issues with Denny's in the South. And that's because you have sometimes have country you have country waitresses that seem to not treat everybody the same. Okay. Okay. Okay, well yeah, I agree with uh Cheryl um when she was talking about, you know, that we still we still are gonna have to work with people and um they may May or may not like you, but they still have to work with you. And I, but you know, James, you know that those people are not going to do that. They're going to show you show their ignorance when you come into the restaurant or even on the job. That's how they're going to show their ignorance. They're not going to label it on their business because they know it's going to stop a lot of business. From coming into um, to those particular locations. I'm sorry, uh, Reverend Smith. You've interacted with people on a lot of different levels of intelligence. There are just certain levels of intelligence where people are never going to uh, rid themselves of their biases because they always figure that 
It's something that you African Americans did that kept them from reaching uh, the level that they wanted to get to. Uh, yeah, James, uh, I, I heard what Cheryl said, and I also heard what Kathy said. I don't know whether I told you all this story before, but when I was in the military up in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, um, it was eight of us. We were all boxers uh, from from lightweight to heavyweight, and we were getting ready to go back to the other side of the base on the bus, and there was this one white guy standing there at the bus stop waiting on the same bus, and as we got ready to go on, he said, don't no N-word get on the bus before me, and we looked at him and said, what did you say? And he said, no N-word get on the bus before me. All eight of us kicked him half to death, to beat him half to death. He was bleeding out every orifice he had. And he still looked, it up, looked up at us and said, you still are N-word. So racism is built into a lot of people, a lot of people. There's not much we can do about it. And Kathy said, I mean, uh, Cheryl said the right thing. I, don't, I can't judge the contents of your heart. I judge you by your action. What you say and what you do is what I go with, along with. And when we're on our jobs, I've heard a lot of derogatory statements on my job, being the first black in this and the first black in that. But you know something? I knew that if I decided I wanted to walk away, which I could have because my parents had money, I could have walked away, but I wouldn't have had no money. And my thing was, if I leave them, I want to stay in the middle of these folks so I can mess with them the same way they're messing with me. But after a while, I made them. They didn't ask me to, but I made them respect me. See, it's not the fact that if you walk around grinning and skinning with these people as they tell these off-color jokes and say these off-color things, then you are definitely going to have to deal with that and live with it. But I got to a point that I told them, hey, uh, hold on, enough is enough. And after a while, I heard no more of that nonsense. I never went to a white school. Thank God. I didn't want to anyway. I never went to a white school. All the way through my high school and everything, I was always in a black school. And I thank God for that. I really, really do. Uh, but there is, you can't change a person what a person thinks. I don't care if a hill of beans. What you do, you can send them to another college. You can send them to another state. You can send them outside of the world, anywhere you want to do. They still have that consistency in their heart of thinking that way. Now, there was one other young man in the military that we changed his mind, not because we fought him, but because he learned that his parents had lied to him. We changed his mind through love. He came to us. He was from the hills of Tennessee, and he came to me and a couple of more of my friends, and he said, you know something, my mom and daddy lied to me. And we said, what about? He said, they told, they told me y'all was this and that and the other. And so you all are nothing like they told me. 
I said, young man, that's only because of the ignorance of your parents. I told him that to his face because during that time, I didn't care. But, you know, the fact of it is that boy got so close to me that if you said a word about me, he was ready to fight you. So if, if something is inbred, that's what Trump is doing right now. That's what Trump is doing if we want to bring it full circle. Trump is making all of these things be regurgitated by the people that really have almost let these things die down within them. They would have they would have wouldn't have never changed over to their loving a black person. But they won't now, sure enough, because they got an advocate in the White House. And so you can't change what's in a person's heart. You can say it's God bless them. That's all I can say about it. Thank you. And, Joyce, you know, it's just amazing that we live in a world where it seems that these young people are coming from places where they're soaking up this ugliness. And I do believe the vast majority of Americans are not racist, but there are just segments in our society, both on the fringes of black and white, it just seems like they want to be angry and and vicious and ugly and use race as the dividing line. I just don't see where I have the time to use my energy in that fashion. So I don't want to spend any time making sure I'm ready to be ugly or angry when someone of a different race walks in my path. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. That's true, and uh, I so much agree with the Reverend because this racism is definitely at the top and it's feeding below. Uh, don't ever forget, racism is going to always be here and it's going to be here to stay. You know that from the people that you have elected in office and how they vote and what they're not willing to stand for. So if they're not willing to do it and we elected them and this is who we're looking up to, they're gonna, we're going to keep feeding off of it. As far as young people, I really did think at one time that it would uh, diminish itself through generation to come, but that's not true because we know that from what happened and the young lady was killed. Your racism and the, the act and the canning and everything, but I think what we tend to, to do sometimes is, is to forget. Don't ever think that you're going to be judged equally because it's not going to happen. That's in your court system in your jail system, in your school system, in your day-to-day system, and in the work system. It doesn't work that way. But how you go through the system is key. As long as you know where you stand and as long as you can maneuver, you see. Uh, the young people, we got to teach them, you know what I mean, you too blatantly, you know. So where did that get you uh, 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 showing, and showing your feelings so freely, you know, yeah, you definitely got the wrong frame of mind as to how you carry yourself. One thing that Regina said a couple of weeks ago, and we got to remember that she said that she was so glad in the way that uh, the, the 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 system and the people are feeling the way that they are, and Trump has done a good thing because she's saying that now the teachers are not in the hallway talking bull in the whole bit because you know where each other stand because you know how they voted. They was bragging on it before. 
So now everybody, they don't have time to fool you because, Adam, and they know what you think because they have already previously expressed it. The bad thing about it is that now they hate that they really, really show who they were. But the good thing about that is, is that we never should forget as to who we are, what we stand for, and it's the way you carry yourself. And like the Reverend said, is that if you carry yourself in a, in, in a, in a particular way, they're not going to even do those particular things around you anyway because they're going to have too much respect for the way as to who you are and what you stand for. So it's just how you carry yourself. Don't ever forget where you come from, and don't you ever think that you're going to be on the same playing field as the next person because it doesn't work that way. Thank you. Oprah proved that. Cheryl, it is just crazy to me, though, that people can hate a person of a certain color so much uh, that they will vote against their own reality. For me, when you have so many Cubans in the Republican Party who fight for people like Donald Trump or who want to be like people like Donald Trump, but yet their people in their communities are struggling just like African Americans, just like Haitian Americans, and just like uh, people of color. So not recognizing that there's a need uh, to galvanize ourselves so that we are dealing with the issues that are important to us and not allowing people to be a part of a party that doesn't care about the people we should be serving. You know, you're right. Um, you're right that um, we we have to, um, I mean, we do know now, you know, just like Joyce was saying, we know now, and I got a chance to see, and I'm pretty sure everybody else did, especially on Facebook, you know, back and forth. But um, I don't think that we should totally make decisions based upon you know, race, because what happens is everybody is not racist. But because we don't know who is and who's not, then we guard ourselves. And then we assume until it is proven that this person really is not racist. So sometimes, you know, it's a help and sometimes it's a hinder. Because we do things based upon a person's race and not necessarily on a person's qualifications. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to know the hearts of individuals until it is actually displayed in a situation. You know, we do have many situations where there have been people that have, you know, when it seems as though at certain times we forget about race. You know, when a person um, needs to be saved in a fire, the the race is not a, um, a concern. When somebody is drowning, you know, those times. Um, we just witnessed and went through the times as far as um, the holidays. People's hearts are so different. But then... When everything settled down, they go back to, 
so what they're doing is they're trying to keep it going. And what happens is their hearts start to develop that, even though, and just like Pastor Smith says, that it changed the heart of an individual because he said his parents lied. You know, I um, I volunteered in, um, when my son was going to school in the first grade because the teacher, this one teacher, taught first and second grade. And I just thought that the children were not going to benefit in second grade. So I volunteered right along with her. And there was this black student and this white student, and the black student, you know, was hating and really hated this white student. So I got them two together, and I asked her, you know, what is it about her that you hate? And she said, I, she said, I like her, but my mama told me that I have to hate her. And what I did was I got them to hug. And after that, their relationship was so different. And I hoped that she went home and shared what she, you know, her experience with her um the people in her home. So, you know, when it comes to racism, we just don't know. But now, when it comes to Donald Trump and people who are bold and loud, we know. We know. And we need to take it seriously. And let me just so, say it's this here. to you. It's here. Just like, just like um, we don't know everybody who is racist. And we just have to be open to people until we find out who they are. And then we have to determine how we're going to deal with them. But I have one coworker who we talk every day, and we it was a white female coworker, and um, we we just recognize that there is a difference in the way people are raised. But she was very friendly, but she had these ideas about what black was like, and those that she knew good black people, she would always go back to what she thought she knew. And uh, we were discussing one day about a black college reunion, and she was saying to me about how the students go down to Daytona and somebody's always shooting somebody. And I asked her and I said to her, she said that she thought that maybe they shouldn't allow them to have the uh, black college reunion at at uh, Daytona because of the number of people who might get shot uh, every time they get together. And I tried to explain to her. I said, okay. I said, now, you know when they have white, um, the white reunion, they don't call it white college reunion. They call it uh, spring break. I said, now, when the whites go down there for spring break, every year you have a few people who are going to die because they get drunk and they want to climb from one balcony to another. And she said to me, but that's different. And I said, no, dead is dead. If you're going to protect people from themselves because somebody's going to die, it doesn't matter how they die, they're still dead. So characteristics that go along with the spring break for whites is just as dangerous and some of the things that you might see and characterize that goes with African Americans. 
So you have to recognize every time large groups of people get together, they're going to be deaf. When the bikers get together, they're going to be drunk. They're going to get drunk and they're going to die. So sometimes you have to recognize that all groups of people have that negative negativism that goes along with them and us when they get together as groups. And it doesn't have to be because of their race. It just has to be because of the nature of human beings. But because you're unwilling to see it, you want to use race as a possibility. So, again, uh, Andre, uh, welcome to the show today. We're talking about how can you you can't mandate that people like each other. And in some cases, we have to recognize and understand there are certain people who are never going to believe in Dr. King's dream. Well, tremendous um, Thursday to everyone. And, uh, again, you you can't mandate a person's thoughts and their feelings and their views. Uh, I did join in late, so I just only had an opportunity to hear just a little of the conversation, so I think I'll I'll pass and pause. But uh, you're exactly right. You have to let uh, time reveal itself, and then you know how to address that person. And even though, Andre, and I want to just keep pulling you back in here because you have so much to share with us, because one of our thoughts was the fact is is that there are going to be people who work beside you who are able to, to cover up their mixed feelings related to you based on your color of your skin. So uh, companies and organizations can't do but so much as long as a person is doing their job and not disrespecting you in any fashion or personalizing their feelings, we can't control what they may think when they go home. You can only regulate a certain part of a person's behavior when they're at work. Is that not right? And that's true, and we wouldn't want it any other way because if you had a company that could regulate on your quotation mark off time, then you're never in quotation off. Um, because if indeed they're um dictating what you must feel at all times, then they have complete control. You have to remember, uh you know, we work with a purpose, um, in order to help achieve some of the things that we're trying to, but that job should not control you. And uh no, I I, I wouldn't want someone to uh, dictate to me off offline what it is that I have to do. So Cheryl, we have to understand and live our lives when we know or recognize that we have uh, people who think differently than us. That we only look to control or dictate their behavior when they have the power uh, to regulate something that might affect us. Uh, the reason why we should be in an uproar related to Donald Trump is because he is supposed to be all American uh, president, that he should be acting on his biases that he may have related to his living experiences. Yeah, and you know, um, everybody made some good points. Um 
And, you know, just like I said earlier and you just said, you know, we can only regulate that when rules are put in place um, for, like you said, you know, colleges, um, business, the workplace. Um, other than that, you know, we really can't. We can't dictate to people um, how they should feel and what they um, say. So, again, race is, is not going anywhere because it's embedded down from one generation to the next generation. And with that being said is that, you know, we would want to hope that it becomes less and less and especially because now we have so many um, interracial marriages and, you know, there's a blend, more of a blend now than I'm going to say that was, um, that was um, displayed or said because they had a lot of blending going on back then, but it wasn't um, said um that it was, but today, because we do, you know, um, how can we have, do we only, only racism, um, racist against just what's not in our household? So, you know, I want to hope to think and to believe that we, you know, that it becomes less and less, but who knows? We only know when we deal with a person and we find out, you know, what their true feelings are. And all of that comes with time with dealing with people. And I have to tell you, you know, I don't interact with other races a lot. But when I'm at work at the museum, I have uh, struck up a relationship with a lot of different races of people who go to the magic games and who go to other places and they always stop and talk. And I just can't imagine a world where you determine who you talk to just because of the color of their skin. Uh, It doesn't make any sense to me. We're all humans, but we have to recognize that there are some people who can't get beyond that color. And, uh, And no matter what you do or say, somehow they're fixated on believing that there's some major difference. One of the things I used to always tell my children uh, when it comes to human beings and what makes us alike is that you could take two different dogs. You could take a chihuahua and a great Dane, and you can't take that chihuahua's heart and put it in a great Dane and expect for that great thing to survive because that heart was meant to pump the blood of a small dog. But in human beings, all of our hearts are the same, and all of our organs are exchangeable, and our color of our skin has little or nothing to do with the ability to exchange or share organs. So clearly that tells you that we are the same and that the color of our skin has more to do with where we were at the time of our birth. And when I mean that, I mean back in the very beginning, that those people who lived in regions that were very, very hot 
the pigment of their skin needed to change in order to adapt to that area. And so there's a whole lot of that, more so of that going on than any major difference between who we are as humans. Now, that's what I choose uh, to believe. Uh, Andre? Are you there, Andre? I am here, but I'm 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 in the middle of something. I have to pass. Thank you. Okay. Um. So, Joyce, uh, you know, when people waste their time with trying to figure out who they like or they don't like because of the color of their skin, the reality is the skin is just one of the smallest portions of who we are as individuals. Exactly. Well, uh, and that is the wrong procedure or the way that you look at life, you know. Uh, The world is not made up where you can just only deal with a particular type of race. It's so universal. I mean, we're so color-coded and everything, and we're so blended, you know. So just to be able to say that this is the only frame of mind that that you're going to deal with and the only type of... uh, race you're going to deal with, you're not going to get that far in life. And to me, you're missing out on a lot because life is just not all just one color, just white and just not black, even though that our president is trying to make it all white, you see. but it, And that's not going to work because it's just too much going on and you got too many people who think differently. Now, a lot of people might think that I'm militant, uh, and not racist, but militant, but I am not that that way, I, you know, and then it's called what you call militant, what you call racist, you see. But I was always raised in a way from the South, went to an all-black uh, school all the way up to high school. First time I did interracial schooling was in college. And my roommate was, uh, in fact, I was uh, one of 13 in a, a Lutheran school, uh, uh, the first first black it was 13 of us and my roommates at the time they stayed up all night because they was afraid to go to sleep in the same bedroom with me and it took their moms to come up they from those uh way back where they never seen in the black ever because you got those rural places like that and they was in a their school and here i am coming to that lutheran school and the mom got us all together but they said that they thought that at nighttime we had tails that come out and where we, we can do the trees. Now, that's that's really pathetic. That's what, what you have, you know, you, you're living with. So you got people who think, and sometimes when they have certain ways of thinking, uh, you, you might not ever be able to change their, their train of thought. But it's sad because, to me, that's not living. Well, George, it has been mine that one of the reasons of where that came from was because white men were interacting with black women and they wanted to keep the white women from interacting with the black men by telling them untruths. So where they knew the truth and they had that desire to interact with women of color, they somehow wanted to keep their women pure when their women had the same desires that they had and they were trying to scare them off. 
I don't know how true it is, but I've heard that story before. And so what it is is a lot of the stereotypes are meant to scare people versus embolden people. And so a lot of the things that people believe about different races are was built on fallacies and untruths. Um, Cheryl, did you ever hear that um, being one of the reasons why they wanted European uh, women and white women to believe that black uh, people had tails? I have never heard that story before. Never have. No, I hadn't. <laughs> it's amazing That's that y'all never heard my stories. I'll be saying all kinds of stories, and y'all tell me that y'all not. It's just like the one where I used to tell, I shared with y'all about uh, when you see a light skin, um, a very light um, African American, and, and people would say, you know, something in the milk ain't clean. And you all. Y'all always tell me y'all never heard that. No, well, I haven't Jane. heard it. <laughs> well, that must be a South Carolina thing. Okay, I'll accept it. Maybe because yeah. that's my South Carolina I heritage. Jane, Jane, yeah. can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard both of them before, but the one about the um, – uh, us having tails at night that comes because people were saying that blacks were associated with monkeys. Uh, but Joyce and I had a very similar experience, and you know, there's a 10 year difference between us, so that just goes to show you how deep and enrooted that thought and that belief, and like you say, that that stereotype is, um, for, uh, for a certain family or a certain um area. Well, one of the things that we need to know this to be true, that children don't see color until somebody tries to make them recognize it. And sometimes people are are willing or want to create goals for people to get along, so they create stereotypes. Now, I have to tell you, my mother is one of the smartest people I have ever known. And when I went when she when I went with her to her white school, the teachers went first. So because I was a, a child of a teacher, they let me move to Pine Castle Elementary School with my mother. And Pine Castle Elementary School never got integrated until I left and at that point uh some additional African-American students came there. But what I thought was so intelligent about my mother was when I started having an interest in one of the little white girls, instead of her going through some kind of change about it, she clearly accepted it. She she would take me to the fair and buy little things or little trinkets for me to give to Rebecca, knowing that at some point, that interest was going to stop. And instead of uh, traumatizing me or traumatizing Rebecca, she just let it go on knowing that it was nothing but little boys and little girls coming together and liking each other as a friendship. And so there was never a period in my life where I was told to make 
of having interest in a girl, be they black or white, that something was wrong with it. But you got to know across America there are some white men or some white women or some black men and some black women who truly don't want their children interacting with each other in a way that they may want to come together. There are a lot of still people who have major problems with that. Uh, don't you think, Cheryl? You, you're absolutely correct. Um, now, I can tell you that um, my son, he graduated from a predominantly white school, and most of the young ladies that he um, he dated were white. My only concern was was the parents because how they would accept, and in fact, one of the parents had their daughter to stop talking to him. So that was my only concern. And another concern is is the area we live in. Um, first of all, we are the only blacks that live on a street that's five miles long. And before moving here, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, you know, about how racist a lot of the people here on this street is. And now we haven't experienced it because we don't, um, we are not that close. We are friendly, but we are not really that close to anyone in particular. You know, my mama will, um, she works for the food bank. She'll bring food, you know, to them. They'll, when they get certain things, they may bring over to my mama because she, you know, she's a widow. But um, my thing is, with my son, is cautious. And, you know, they wanted to go see a movie and with another couple that's an interracial couple, and I had to interject because, like I said, your, your goal is to come back home alive. So with that, it was that I have to teach him things that he has no clue about because that's not the way he was raised. But that's what the environment and the community that we live in now, you know, and he can't see a lot of the things. But I have to, you know, I a lot of the, you know, shows that, you know, we have on the radio, um, I discuss them with him, a lot of articles, different things, you know, because he never had to go through any of those things. Only, like I said, with the parents of one of the um, young ladies, they had him, you know, she couldn't talk to him no more. But um, they love him, and they may love him just because he's black, the the, the young girls out here. And, but um, that's my only, you know, concern is, but not the fact of you cannot date anybody that's outside of your race. That's never been, you know, a statement. It's just that very, very cautious because of where we live at right now. And, uh, Joyce, what what would be, you know, you said you went to a college um, where they were predominantly white, um, 
did you ever have to make a choice or decisions related uh, to who you became friendly with? No, not at all. I, I think that that has a lot to do with coming from the South, you know, uh, how we was raised because uh, how we was raised, how, uh, what my parents, how they, who they dealt with when they worked, and we, we just saw how they interact and go through the system. So when I, I left the, the South to go north uh, to uh, college, and, and that was my first time getting away from the South and the whole bit, I knew how to carry myself. I know how to deal with people from all over. Particularly, I, I kind of knew uh, how to, as they say, know your place. So therefore, you knew how to maneuver through their through the system. So I had no problem with that. As a matter of fact, that uh, when I became an airline stewardess, believe it or not, uh, it was very few of us on that. But it takes the young ladies there teach you the rope and very friendly. They show you how to get through the system, and uh, so I never never had a problem as far as communicating and making friends and uh, having people from all walks of life uh, to be able to have some type of relationship with. Well, one of my experiences, Andre, when, uh, was being, when I worked at Sears, and this was in, I worked at Sears in the 80s, and I met a, a young white male who uh, would just talk about his, his, his desire to, to become friends with an African-American female but he knew that was a difficult thing to do because he he wasn't sure which one to say anything to because he knew that they would be tough on him if he said something to the wrong one. And it was so kind of funny to watch him always be on pins and needles around African-American women because men, African-American men know that you have to be real selective to who you walk up to because you don't want to get your feelings hurt. And and but it has always been a thing historically that uh, white men have had this interest in African American women. Yes, but that's just part of it. It's not just because of the different races. You should be mindful how you approach a woman no matter what race it is. So, uh, but I know you probably, like you said, you you found it funny because, in essence, growing up, there's some things that's taught in all culture that help you to, uh, I guess, make the selection in that type of thing. So, um, I understand what you're saying. Well, it's kind of commonplace that there are people in our uh, of our race uh, who are African Americans who aren't racist, but they could get offended. Uh, if they're approached inappropriately. And so sometimes they send off vibes that tells you that, hey, I'm not approachable and especially not to you. But, you know, it's just we, we it's so interesting how we grow up and how we, we're dealing with these, this nature of race. And I guess it's right what Cheryl and Joyce have said, that we're just not going to get beyond it. It is so little of who we are. You know, I like to think I love being an African-American. I wouldn't want to be born any other race of people. And I'm not saying that just because it can't happen. I just love what African-Americans bring to the table. I like our swagger. I like who we are. 
I like our nature. And um, so I am uh, very pro-African-American. Uh, but there are people who don't recognize what it is that we bring to the table, and they sometimes have formulated in their own mind who they think we are when we can be so different than what they think we are. I have a number of, of, of people professionally when I went to Virginia who said to me um, that you're different. And that was even, uh, I, I would hate them to even say that because I wanted people to understand that I loved being who I was and that I wasn't trying to be anything but who my parents had raised me to be. And if, in fact, I talked with a certain amount of intelligence, that was just because I was raised to do that and not because I was trying to emulate anybody else. So, Audrey, it's something about what people want to suggest that we're doing when we're trying to, to be the best who we, we can be. I'm sorry, James, repeat the last part again. I was just saying that sometimes people misconstrue, and I would like all of you to address this, uh, Joyce and Cheryl. Sometimes people misconstrue who we are because we want to be the best that we can be intellectually, socially, uh, spiritually, and they want to suggest that somehow we're trying to emulate something other than African-Americans. Because African Americans can be all of those things. Well, being the best that we can be varies from person to person. And who's to say what's best for you is best for me? Now, you said something earlier that's key on that uh, as as it relates to human beings. Um, the Lord has uh, gifted us such that we do have interchangeable organs and all. So, um you know, we strive to be the best. That's just who we are. And as blacks, no matter what, because of the fact that we know that uh, some people are racist and prejudiced and uh, never want to achieve our, our – we just have to go uh, above and beyond just to be considered average. It's not fair, but that's the way it is. But I would venture to say what's best for one person may not be what's best for another because all of us have different uh, – Measurements when it uh, comes to success, what success is and what it looks like. And, Joyce, one of the things that I was saying that to mean is because we want to be educated as, uh, as individuals don't mean we want to get away from who we are as African Americans because it's okay to be African American and intelligent. It's okay to be African American and uh, be social. We don't have to remain a part of any economic group because we we happen to be African Americans. We can strive to be as high and as polished as we want to be. That's true, and I think sometimes people tend to forget that you know a person is going to judge you and value you, hopefully, as to who you are and and what you're all about. Um, you know. Um, some of the most unintelligent, as you call, educated people, you know, they've gotten way beyond the ones that have masters uh, and PhD. So uh, that that type of measurement is in the, is how you look at yourself at a, a at a degree that is put there by someone else. 
and mainly the, the white people's standard. But when you're looking at your type of standard, and I think what makes an all-around person is when you can deal and you can walk and you can talk with anyone from any walk of life, that's when, to me, you have mastered your communication as to who you are and what you want to be, you see. Um, I don't have a master's, but I think I've, I've bumped it with some of the highest of the highest, some of the lowest of the low, and you can put me in any type of settings, and I think I will be right, right, right at home. And that's what I try to do the same. I try to be comfortable with where I am at the time. I feel like I can be comfortable in, in any room and in any environment. And when I go out on the street, that I'm also being the same with them, that I can be honest and real wherever I go and benefit the people I'm around so that they don't feel like they are, that I'm trying to be uh, above them or uh, away from them or not reachable. So, Cheryl, even though we are African Americans, we can strive to be whatever we want to be and still be connected to the people we love. You know, you're right. Um, one of the um, – something that um, – my family, my children, and myself experienced. Um, we lived on um, Hilton Head Island for seven years, and the I contracted myself out, at, you know, for sewing to bridal shops, and these were all, you know, white um, ladies that owned the bridal shops, and they told me they said, you know, you we. We take you just like we take ourselves. And I don't know if that was their way of giving me a compliment or they were saying that because they got to know me, there was no difference just because of the color of my skin. But then when it came to the black kids when my daughter was going to school, and because, like I said, I've always started them with teaching them phonics. So the way that they spoke was very intelligent. And the black kids said, you think you're white. So they addressed um, her a look at them as being, you know, they, they looked at intelligence with white. So sometimes we stereotype in our own, within our own race. And like I said, and I've mentioned many times, it had gotten so bad till I had to take her out of an all-black school and put her into a private school, um, a Christian private school. But there, it was that, and we're fair, we're really fair-skinned. And there, it was that you're not white like us. So she had kind of a struggle you know, she wasn't black enough and she wasn't light enough to really blend in. But um, I noticed that the blacks there accepted me after they got to know me and, you know, made their comment. But then the blacks didn't accept my children because of the intelligence and what, you know, I, the way that I taught them and even to the fact that um, I paid for them to take foreign languages, you know, at a very, very young age. 
So, you know, we also are prejudiced within our own race. And how people see us is from the heart, however they are, you know, been brought up. And most of the black kids then were brought up where they just stuck together and it was blacks against whites. So, uh, and it was a big division there on that island. You know, the blacks did stick together and the whites did stick together. But they had to interact at some point through jobs, education, and, you know, a lot of other things. But sometimes they made it difficult among their own selves not accepting each other. So that was just some of the experiences that, you know, we went through. We're going to take a short break and come back and let everyone have their final thoughts for this evening.
This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thought, Love, and Reflection. Brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. Cheryl, uh, what is your final thought for this evening? Very, um, very, very good, interesting um, topic that we had this evening. Um, and, you know, we all, um, as individuals that we are, that's here on, you know, that comes to this platform every day, that we can, you know, without even knowing and knowing, change the hearts and the minds of individuals that are racism because of the love and the friendliness that we show. That's my thought for this evening. Yeah, you're so right. You know, we have to recognize that every time a person crosses our path, that person will be better or worse for that opportunity. So we need to just be prepared always to put our best foot forward. Uh, George, your final thought for this evening? Uh, my final thought for this evening is that although racism is still going to be a part of our existence, it is up to us to choose whether or not we feed into it. Uh, we know that uh, right now it's, it's beginning to breed from the top, but as long as we keep doing what we're doing and uh, counteracting that, I think our society and everyone is going to be okay. So true, so true. It is up to us how we react to what is a negative uh, behavior. Uh, Audrey, your final thoughts for this evening. I don't think I could say it any better. Uh, we are our own um, captain of ourselves, and uh, don't let others um, take us to a place that we don't need to go. So true. As always, guys, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your continued support. It is because of you that this show has been on for as long as it has, and it will continue uh, to get better as we do what we have been uh, driven to do. Make sure that we have a word to say about the way our country is run. It is important that we recognize that we own as much of a part of this country as anybody else, and our voices need to be heard. You all take care, and I'll see you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Thoughts, Love, and Reflections. Call in at 657-383-0309 so your voice can be heard loud and clear. Cause I didn't know me
in and this is too deep, too deep. I gotta change the station soon. 